A good near of Shabbos to our friends and members of the West Mount Shul. We are now almost one month into the war in Eretz Yisrael. And um, I just want to make a few observations and uh, maybe even a, a prediction, so to speak. And uh, <clears throat> I know many of us, all of us, have been called on for all kinds of tzedakahs to help what's going on in Eretz Yisrael. There's so many worthwhile tzedakahs. The shul has, Baruch Hashem, raised uh, a significant amount of money. I believe it's up to uh, $31,000 has been collected from our small shul. Just double checking so I don't misquote. $32,000 as of a couple days ago. And we've been able to buy at a very discounted price. I still have trouble pronouncing 20 laryngoscopes. Uh, for adults and children and the necessary accessories we got them at half price uh, from the distributor so we were able to maximize your tzedakah dollars that you gave it's all important but you know and there's just so much more that's needed for the soldiers their equipment it's just incredible the needs uh, supporting Zaka um, there's now people going to Eretz Yisrael just to do simple babysitting of children because the fathers are away at war it's an incredible amount and you know in the beginning they all get excited and we hope it'll be like a six-day war but it doesn't exactly look like it's going to be a six-day war and we're told it's going to be months and months and there will be this natural feeling not negatively about people it's just normal you know people get excited in the beginning and want to see results but then, you know, you begin to tire of, of the tzedakah, how much can I give already? And uh, there, there's so many other worthwhile causes. We needed tzedakah for the shul. Uh, we suspended our uh, active campaign that's at Simchus Torah. Shul needs money too. These are all things a lot of Hashem is expecting or the, the times are requiring a lot of tzedakah, a lot of chesed. I want to give us some chizuk in this area so to speak, and to to realize, and there's another thing that we have to think about. It's a very uncomfortable thing to talk about, but, you know, we have to talk about the things that are true. Just like in Canada, they have, uh, what do they call it, uh, the, the uh, reviewing their history and just seeing if their history was as well as it should be. They call it truth and reconciliation where it comes to the fact that Canada has to admit they did things that were really terrible to the indigenous people, etc., etc. And we come to these wars, we think about truth and reconciliation with the secular Israeli government, not the good Jews in the country, but the secular Israeli government that put into law the abortion of millions of babies. They allowed the law to allow uh, gay pride um, celebrations in Yerushalayim. These are things that Hashem is really not happy with. Allowing desecration of Shabbos publicly. A lot of things that the secular government has done. And truly, these are very negative things. The arrogance that the government has, that they think they're the ones who can save the Jewish people. It's very fearful and very scary. And it seems there's only one way Jews learn their lessons, and that is also very scary. So I want to share with you a few ideas of the Parsha to give us a little bit of chizuk over here in understanding 
uh, what is our mission, so to speak, and to uh, and what to be hopeful for. So there's two issues. Issue number one, we learn about the destruction of Sodom. And Sodom, you should know, before it was destroyed, was the most beautiful part of Eretz Canaan. It was luscious. It had an amazing economy because of the natural resources. It was, it was more beautiful than any area that we see today in Eretz Yisrael. And yet they were destroyed. Totally. And we use the destruction as the benchmark of what total destruction is. As we say, you know, gofris vomelach, fire and brimstone. So it's total destruction. And of course, the people of stone were very singularly noted for their cruelty and uh, their cruelty to guests. But we have to realize the cruelty was not a based cruelty on being cruel to be the sake of cruelty. They had a goal. And the Navi Yecheskel says about the sins of stone, although it was a place that had a lot of luxury and wealth, but yet the Yad Oni the Evryon Lo Hechsika, they did not strengthen the hand of the impoverished. Meaning to say, you were so wealthy, God blessed you with so much. But they were afraid that everybody would start coming into their country from outside. Illegal immigration, so to speak. To take advantage of all the bounty that they have. And so what's the problem with that? Well, the problem is it's going to be unlimited. They've got porous borders. Everyone's going to go through and, and, and take away a lot of our wealth. So they came up with some zoning laws that were very cruel, such as it was against the law to have guests. If you have guests, you were punished. And if a guest did want to come, there were cruel rules that applied to them, unspeakable cruelty. And that is why they did that, not because they wanted to be cruel. They wanted to stop the flow of, quote-unquote, illegal immigration. And therefore, the Navi says, the reason they were destroyed is because they did not give Okay, so although they were very cruel people, but they weren't cruel for the sake of being cruel. But they did not keep the mitzvah of tzedakah, and that was caused their destruction. So Ravelio Diskin Shlita asked the following question. He says, you know, there were some other countries at this time who were not very good countries. Same time, Mitzrayim, the land of Mitzrayim, we're not talking about Paro and Moshe. We're talking about hundreds of years before. Land of Mitzrayim, the land of Canaan, were immersed in the three cardinal sins of idol worship, immorality, and murder. And these were sins that you actively do. And there was no destruction of these countries. Why not? Why wasn't Hashem upset with them doing the three cardinal sins? And that was actively being bad. While Stone, they weren't, the text at least doesn't say, that they were actively killing people. It was more reactionary. They did not want to give tzedakah. So why were they destroyed? What's the message for us? And he brings a beautiful mushal. It's a mushal of a of a woman of a house, and she has a, 
a, a, a nanny, a maid, works in the house, very trustworthy for many, many years, did all the work she needed to do. It was a wonderful nanny. She trusted her with everything. One day, the mistress of the house, she notices her gold watch is missing. And after a bit of investigation, she took a look into the purse of the nanny and found that it was in her purse. She confronts the nanny and says, how could you do such a thing? I trust you with everything. What is this? You robbed me like this? And, and the nanny, who was a widow and had children, and says, please, please, I, I, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been cleaning the house for years and years, and every day I see your beautiful watches. Says, I never touched anything, please. I don't know what happened to me today. My Sahara got a hold of me. I says, listen, you know, you should be fired. I have to fire you. I can't keep somebody that I don't trust. Oh, please, if you fire me, I'm not going to have any food to eat. My children are going to have problems. This is terrible. Come on, it's the first time I ever, I promise, I promise, I promise, I'll never do it again. So the mistress thinks it over. Okay, listen, you can make a big mistake once. Okay, Avrachmanis, I'll trust you. Okay, you have your job. Oh, thank you so much. She keeps the job. She's working for a number of months. Very good. Anyway, she happens to meet the, the maid, happens to meet a nice fellow. She gets married to this guy. She doesn't have any more Parnosa problems, and she leaves the job. Everything is fine. Ah, but the mistress has to hire a new maid. So she goes to hire a new maid. And she introduces, the new maid comes in. A new maid comes in. She's got a big uh, purse, bulging purse. And uh, she comes in. She gives her a list of what to do. The lady of the house says, I'm leaving for the day and make sure this gets done by the end of the day. What happens as soon as the mistress leaves, the nanny goes out, she goes into the back to the porch, lays on a chase lounge and uh, takes out what's in her bag, a bunch of newspapers, some food, and she's sitting back relaxing and reading the paper and eating fruits and vegetables and this and that. And before she knows it, it's three o'clock. Oh, quitting time. I'm going home. Mistress comes in at five o'clock. Doesn't see anything happened. Figures, well, I don't know. Maybe it's her first day. Maybe she didn't know where stuff was. She couldn't ask me. Second day, the mistress says, listen, you didn't get around to it yesterday. Can you get around to these jobs? And I got to go for the day. <laughs> Same thing happens. As soon as she leaves, the maid starts lying back. But this time... The lady of the house unexpectedly came back and saw what the nanny was doing. And she says, what's this? You don't lift a finger up? This is not acceptable. You're fired. Okay. That night, the husband comes home and says, no, how'd you take it? It's so hard to get good help nowadays. I had such a good nanny before. And this one, she doesn't work. I had to fire her. So the husband says, let me try to understand this. The last nanny you had actively did something to hurt you. She stole your watch. And if you wouldn't have caught her, she would have stolen from you. This lady, she doesn't steal anything from you, so why did you fire her? But the obvious answer is, when I'm hiring a cleaning lady, the first thing you got to do is clean. Work. 
if you're not doing that, there's no point of going any further. While on the other hand, the lady stole, you're right, but at least she cleaned. And it's interesting, I've spoken to people over the years, and they said, I know the nanny steals a little beer here, a little there, but you know what? It's worth it. She does a good job. She'll steal a few dollars here. If knows that, I just look the other way. I don't make a big deal. Now, if that's correct or not, I'm not getting into that, but obviously it's hard to get good help nowadays. So it's the cost of doing business. But at least they're cleaning. We're not doing cleaning at all, then what's to talk about? That was the marshal. What is the nimshal? The nimshal is the whole foundation of the world is chesed. As it says in Tehillim, Olam chesed yibaneh. The world was built on kindness. The Torah begins with kindness. The Torah ends with kindness. The whole purpose of people being in this world is to be good and do good for others. And therefore God created man as a person who needs other people, who needs to be in a chevra. Hashem creates people who are poor so people can have, have money. That's the famous Gemara Baba Basra when Turnus Rufus asked Rabbi Akiva, if your God loves the poor so much, why doesn't he support them? And Rabbi Akiva says to save us from Gehenna. Because a world without chesed and tzedakah is a world without doing good to others. And there's no point in having a world of people do not do chesed and emulate HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And just like you fire a nanny who doesn't do the job she's meant to do, but you'll still keep a nanny who may have done some indiscretions, but at least is doing the job they are meant to do. And therefore, even though the Egyptians and the Canaanites did a lot of terrible averos, but they still had some sort of kindness within their countries. And because of that, they were still part of the Olam Chesed Yibone reality. Stone, even though it's not recorded the three cardinal sins, but they were against Chesed, they were against Tzedakah. And all the cruelty was a result of not wanting to have to part with their money. They weren't interested in the core of what the world's about. And therefore, there's no place for these people. This is why they were destroyed. Why is this so relevant to us? Well, if we look at the secular state of Eretz Yisrael, and we look at it from a spiritual point of view, there are many things that are horrific. Millions of abortions is murder. No matter how you slice it, it is murder. The uh, having gay parades, and Bechlau, the whole idea of the secular army, the whole part of it, the whole the wealth in Chang, we know, is to really, is a very immoral place, I'm sorry to say, to breed immorality like the West is. Saying that we are the ones who will save you and not God, this leadership now, not the wonderful soldiers, that is Avodah Zorah. And there's no way to go around it. The state of Israel has transgressed in this area. It is very hard to justify this kind of behavior. And we could fall into despair that unfortunately because the leadership transgresses the three cardinal sins, what hope is there for us? The answer is 
at least we're not like stone. The country of Eretz Yisrael, of Israel, does know what kindness means and knows what chesed is. They'll go to what extent to bring in Jews into the country. There is a heart that the Jewish people have. And the people do so much chesed. And therefore, although we have to be honest that we do a lot of averos, as a country, as a nation, it's a terrible chalashem. But as a country, as a nation, they still believe in chesed. And they'll help any Jew, no matter what, no matter where in the world. And not only that, but the entire Jewish world, even many secular Jews, giving millions and millions of dollars. That's an amazing thing. And that's what we have to focus on more. That we're a world of a country of abundant chesed. And now you can understand why countries like Canada and the United States, which also transgress these three Averos, but yet they are still filled with chesed. Many countries of the world still are filled with chesed. And then Hashem gives them more time. Gives them time to do tshuva. They still are fulfilling a purpose in this world. While other countries are not. While Hamas, Hamas as though they may be quote unquote religious. It's interesting, I saw a meme recently that took a number of Muslim countries. And they have two pictures. One picture, for example, Syria, uh, 1970s. And they show you Syrian women in miniskirts. Syria, 2023, they're all with burqas and bags over their head. So on the one end, you say, wow, they're very religious. Yes, but they don't know what chesed is. You are the Palestinian Authority. United Nations giving you millions and millions and millions of dollars. These countries think there's a concept called chesed. And that is a saving grace for them. It gives them a reason to exist. But all the chesed money is taken to dig tunnels and destroy Israel. And that they're mamish the opposite of chesed. They don't believe in chesed. It's not they don't do chesed. They take the chesed money. And they use it for murder. So at least Stone didn't give any chesed, didn't take any money, and didn't ask for any money. But these Rishoyim, Hamas, they're taking chesed money and using it to destroy. That's infinitely worse. And that's why we have a confidence. It must be. It must be. There's no way that this Torah will allow people who are anti-chesed and cruel, not because to avoid chesed, but to be cruel, to be cruel. And there's no redeeming factors to them. Hashem must have them be destroyed once they have, as they say, filled the quota of evil. Just like Stone had to be around for enough time to fill the quota of evil. And once it filled it, total destruction. Rabbi said, this must happen. I don't know when. It will have to happen in such a barbaric way. And don't tell me the Palestinians are nebuch, innocent bystanders. Not, not true. They're all taught to hate Jews. They're all taught not to do chesed. 
You don't have to do chesed if you're going to blow yourself up when you're 20, right? What are you saving money for? It's got to be. They will be destroyed. And you already see. They already hit the back of a hospital by themselves. You don't think they can destroy their own country by themselves. It'll be Gofris Vamelach. Fire and brimstone will come down to them. The other countries in the world can get a reprieve because they still, in some way, believe there should be chesed. And the Jewish people, who are so amazing at chesed, what they'll do to bring a soldier back, what they'll do to save a yid, what Saka does, all these places that need our money. So why? So they can do more chesed. Now the leadership may, you know, make mistakes and may even be incompetent and may even, you know, deny God's existence. But chesed is a ticket to ride. And the fact that we are asked to do so much chesed, even though we don't necessarily approve of a lot of the policies or whatever, I'm not getting into that. But the point is, the more chesed we do, the more we deserve to live. And that's why it says, Tzedakah tatzel mimoves. Why tzedakah? Because the whole world depends on chesed. Without chesed, the world won't live. And if we keep the world alive with chesed, so therefore Hashem will help us with this chesed that we do, and it's tatzel mimoves. And not just tatzel mimoves from us, but for all the brave soldiers and people living there in Yisrael who may not be able to do chesed, but we're all one chevra. And the more tzedakah we give, the more life will be had. Therefore, we can be assured that at the end of the day, the chesed of Klal Yisrael will win because we are involved in what the world is founded on. And Hamas must lose because they are involved in the opposite. This explains one idea. Now we have to take it one step further. The wife of Lot, we were told, she was not allowed to turn back. And by turning back, she turned into a pillar of salt. And the question is, why did she return to being a pillar of salt? So the Talmud says, because she didn't put salt on the food for the guests. So what does that mean? What does that mean? And why does that cause her to die? So this is really clever and devious. Lot was raised in Avram's house. He understood what it mean, meant to do chesed. That's what he understood. So since Lot was raised in a house that was full of chesed, he obviously wanted to continue to do chesed. Now the wife can't just say, I don't want to do chesed. She can't do that. She says, of course I want to do chesed. Invite all the guests you want. Ah, but have you ever been invited to a house where the hostess was not the mostest when it came to cooking? You ever have times where the hostess didn't put any salt and there's no taste in the meal? Of course you're not going to scream and yell at the hostess. You're going to be kind and say, listen, I understand, you know, very good. And then you get invited again. No, I, you know, I can't come again. They never say because she didn't cook well. But that way she didn't have to have any guests. So she looks good, but really is as evil as the people of stone. And therefore the mouth says, you can't look back to think, oh, well, I'm better than them. That's why I survived. Yes, you looked more politically correct, Mrs. Lote. But you were no different. You accomplished the same goal 
of not wanting chesed. That's such a heinous way of living your lives. So we got all kinds of people in the world. We got Rishoyim who transgressed the three Averos, the three carnal sins, but they still do chesed. We have those who don't transgress the Averos and overtly say we don't do chesed. And then there's the ones who may, you know, they may not do the three Averos, but they covertly do not do chesed. But it becomes the same thing. You just look more politically correct, but there isn't chesed. There's so much in the political landscape that we're seeing today. People are stepping forward and filling these shoes to realize that not everybody, they say, oh, we'd love to do chesed. We'd love to give Israel $11 billion, but we can't take away from the IRS to collect money from us. We would have loved, it's wonderful that the House has passed $11 billion, but the Senate's going to say, oh, we would love to, but we just can't do that. We're going to have to take a little salt off of it First, we've got to make sure uh, that uh, the uh, there's uh, a, a temporary uh, pause. All these things, they're liars, but they want to look good. And therefore, if they're going to turn around, they turn into salt too. So Baruch Hashem, no matter what criticisms we may have about our own, Chesed, nobody can touch us in the world of Chesed. And that's where Hashem is Mida Keneged Mida. If you overtly don't want Chesed, Hashem will overtly destroy you. If you don't, but subvertly, covertly, you'll turn into a pillar of salt. Who knows? But this gives us guidance as what will ultimately happen. Let me end the story with the idea of Chesed Mida Keneged Mida. Story of a young Bachar was learning in a yeshiva kedana in Rechavot. And he was one of the top students, a real Eloi, good midos, one of these fantastic boys that every yeshiva would love to have such a fellow. And the uh, the Rosh Yeshiva of the yeshiva kedana, he was sure this boy is going to get a top, top yeshiva choosing him. So at the end of the year, the Bachar's going to leave and the Rosh Shiva said, no, which yeshiva are you going into? And he said, a uh, name of a yeshiva, not a very famous yeshiva. And the Rosh Shiva was wondering, you're such an amazing bacher, why did you pick that yeshiva? And that was like considered like an average yeshiva, nothing fantastic, nothing bad, an average yeshiva. So the boy says, let me explain to the Rebbe what my calculations were that caused me to choose this. I had in the, in the yeshiva that we were leaving, I had a chavrusa who was not the smartest fellow. He's considered the weakest of our group. And when that uh, boy was getting uh, tested in one of the average yeshivas, they didn't want to take him. Why? Because he's not even high enough for the average yeshiva. And the boy's father was begging the people in charge to accept him. And they said, if he comes in alone without any of the chevra, he won't succeed. He doesn't have any friends. If he has some friends who will come into the yeshiva, then there's a chance he will succeed. 
So Bachar tells Rosh Hashiva, listen, I know Baruch Hashem, Hashem has given me good, a good head and good talents. And the truth is we know a good student will do well anywhere. Because I know when I'm learning, I'm learning with Hashem and Hashem is learning with me. So does it make a difference to Hashem where I learn? But if I can help another boy, why shouldn't I help him? That was my overriding consideration. At the end of the day, they accepted the weak bacher. Then the Rashiva comes back. He hears this. He says, but don't you know, you don't do kindness with others if it's on your own cheshben. You can't be so kind to others if it can impact on your own spirituality. So the Bible says, I accept humbly what the Rebbe says. But I gave my word. And I said, if I, I will do it. And that's how he was accepted. So the Rashi was still not happy. He says, what does a Jew do when he's not sure? In other words, the Rashi wants him to still change yeshivas because another yeshiva would take him in a minute because he's a top bacher. So we have to ask a godel. Okay? So they go to one of the gedoli Yisrael and there it's doesn't tell us who, it, the storyteller doesn't know who it is. And they tell the Rashi Shiva two sides of the story. And uh, the Rosh Hashiva said, based on everything I hear, this boy is planning to do things for the sake of God. He will grow no matter where he is. And the great rabbi decided he should learn in the yeshiva with that chavrusa. Okay, story does not end. So they continue in this new yeshiva and uh, they, the... the the, the very smart boy excels as expected. His chavrusa also does well. They grow from strength to strength. And uh, there was one, and now it was time for getting married. Years have passed, time to get married. Now this wonderful bacher had one problem. He had a very terrible birthmark that really stuck out. And his parents we're not worried until now that he has to get married. And that terrible birthmark on his chin, a very noticeable place. And on top of that, he this great bacham went to an average yeshiva. His resume doesn't look that great. And that could bring a stumbling block for any shidduchim. But anyway, what happened is he ended up going out, getting some shidduchim. And uh, when the shatran was asking the girl who this boy would go out with, what kind of boy are you looking for? She says, I heard about a boy who was, who was accepted into many fine yeshu yeshivas, but he was willing to be mavater on it and chose to learn in an average yeshiva because he wanted to help another boy. She, he heard, she heard about this story. She said, buckle like that has amazing mitos caring about other people. It's very rare to see a person give up so much for someone else. Can you imagine how he would treat his wife? And from such a young fellow, I'd like to build a Jewish home. She meets the Bacher. And this is the smart Bacher. And then after the date, the Shachan says, no. So she tells the, the Shachan, so you know, I thought that that uh, birthmark would disturb me. 
But you know what? His virtuous behavior stood out so much. It it just discarded. I could I didn't even notice the birthmark. Well, when the Rosh Hashiva, the old Rosh Hashiva heard about everything that transpired, he says, perhaps HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing kindness now for this Bachar, for the kindness he did so many years ago. Hashem does not forget that kindness. Rabbi this is what it's all about now. Our beautiful soldiers, we pray for them. We're so heartbroken that even 18 or even more by now have died recently. They're doing what they can do. We have to do what we can do. Tzedakah tatzil mimaves. We have to inconvenience ourselves. And not just with money, but it's with chesed. And the core to our victory, if olam chesed yiboneh, the world is built with kindness. This is why Hashem wants a world. And Hashem's looking down from Shemaim and he's saying, where is chesed coming into this world from? It ain't coming from the UN. It's not coming from many nations that are supporting murderers. And even those who are pretending to be nice are pretending, but they don't really want to be nice. Who is really doing bona fide chesed, not with ulterior motives? Me And therefore we can look forward with, notwithstanding our flaws, we're not going to deny it. But there's no nation in the world that does chesed the way we do. And in that merit, if we just continue to plug on, plug on, as I said, Amir Tzashem, I really feel that, chesed, that Hanukkah can be the time when the greatest miracles will happen. Unexplainable miracles, but explainable by for others, doing chesed for others, and we will be victorious with Hashem's help. That's the key. And Mir Hashem, we should have peace, and all our boys should come home quickly and safely. Amen.